Yeah, it changed the mood definitely. It's completely different. Um, we usually drink a beer after after away games. Uh, it's that long ago that I drank a beer. We'll be probably drunk after the one. So um, um, yes, it changed the mood completely, and um, that's it's good. But we all know who we are welcoming on on, on Sunday, and um, this will be a different game. We know that, but it's better to go in a game in a, in, with this, the feeling we got tonight than with any other. Yeah, back-to-back crisis clubs for us here on the analysts after the last two match weeks in the Premier League. But have things begun to turn around for Liverpool? A truly outstanding performance at times against Rangers the other day means that they'll come into their match on Sunday full of confidence. It just so happens they're playing Manchester City, a side that they haven't won against in their last five games in the Premier League. Joining me today on the Day-to-Day Live, Ollie Hopkins and Duncan Alexander, as we look forward to a big weekend of Premier League action. and. Also going to take a little bit of a dive into El Clasico this weekend as well. Talking about crisis clubs. Duncan, is it possible crisis clubs can become like European teams instead of like Premier League teams as well? There is a a niche hipster version of CL crisis clubs, yeah, which I think Barcelona probably fall into. But unlike Liverpool, uh, or maybe the reverse of Liverpool, they're, they're good in the league, as we'll discover. I mean, they've only let in one goal this season in the league. They've let in slightly more in the Champions League. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, it's obviously a big, big game, um, as Drake would agree, I'm sure. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. Unfortunately, I would try and do some title puns of Drake music, but I know absolutely zero of them. And all I thought when I saw it is went, oh, that's a nice tribute that Barcelona are paying to the old Sheffield Wednesday badge on the uh, front of the jersey. (laughs) Well, you two, unbelievable. Um, We've just actually published a piece. on the analyst from Tom Hancock, looking at Real Madrid and Barcelona so far this season, um, and eagle-eyed readers will notice that all the subheadings are are Drake songs. So, uh, some to check out there, as well as the piece, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember to read the piece, not just like notice all the song lyrics in there. But yeah, again, great bit of content for you on theanalyst.com for those of you watching on our YouTube, Twitch. And Twitter channels, uh, welcome along. You can see some of the visuals going along with us. But if you're listening to us on the podcast on Catch Up afterwards, do make sure you head over to the home of data-driven storytelling. That is theanalyst.com for more content like that and more. Right then, let's hold off talking much more about El Clasico for now. We'll come back to that because it is a... Well, I think coming into the season, this was one that people were ringing in the calendar and going, this is going to be a huge weekend. This is going to be almost like title decider S weekend. Instead, it's kind of a very different story for Liverpool in the Premier League this season. Manchester City, as you say, looking very strong. Obviously not top of the table at the moment, but uh, some interesting bits coming out from City in midweek, obviously. Um, players getting rested, and uh, we've got a little bit of a quote from Guardiola that we can play for you in a little bit, where he tries to explain why some of the players weren't necessarily rested as such, but more just, you know, actually got niggles and injuries, which is a potentially worrying time for the team as we're going into this spell, as you say, where they're playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back games and you've got this midweek Premier League run when probably most clubs would like a a bit of a weekend off. Where do we want to start talking about? Well, except for City, to be fair, because their game with Arsenal has been been postponed. So Arsenal can essentially play almost a dead rubber in the Europa League. So so City do actually have a week off, which I think, you know, could benefit them. Obviously not in points, but in terms of recuperation. Yeah, I think, and again, it's all about deepness of squads at the moment. And I think this is, we come back to the point we were talking about on Monday's show with Liverpool, their squad have been allowed to get old all at the same time, effectively. And having that ability to go 
deep into your squad with young, fresher legs uh, could be the key in this title battle at the end of the season. It might be where I think Arsenal maybe do tail off a little bit as the season rolls on. Is just, yep, that that the starting squad is outstanding. It's what happens after that, I think. I think that it's just they're going to probably need to do some recruitment in January. Um, but again, you've got to then balance that you've got this really good first team. Players mm. you're bringing in aren't necessarily going to be starters from day one. They're going to have to settle into being part of the squad rotation. This is where your dad says, well, Aston Villa won the league in the early 80s, only using 14 players all season. And you have to point out that the world's changed. Um, you know, football's faster. Indeed. Muscles are more delicate. <laughs> Ligaments as well. I always, And this is one of my big theories, is that these days players are more obviously muscular than they've ever been. And sports science has done amazing bins or bits on, musc- on players' muscles. But I do think you do now. Ligaments haven't gone the same way. Um, and we mm. have someone on this call who's well known for doing ligament damage when he plays football. But, <laughs> but I do think there is something in that players' ligaments are getting more and more strained these days because the muscle on the body is strong. And maybe the ligaments aren't being um, Richard Freeman helped as they sort of develop and, and get better as well. Well, as someone who's just recently sprained their ankle ligaments, I can uh, I can vouch for, for that. Um, and I can almost, I can find solace with, um, with Trent Alexander-Arnold. He obviously kind of went over on his ankle last weekend uh, against Arsenal. It looked like, a, like quite a painful one. And, and he is one of you know three, I guess, new injuries that they have to, to deal with in, in their squad with Luis Diaz out you know, for a while with a knee injury, John Matip out now as well. So I think uh, as well as the, the squad, you know, getting on and, and ageing and those players sort of leaving their, their peak years, You've you've just got a lot of people also are injured as as as, as well. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a real test, real test for for the Reds this weekend. Um, I mean, one thing that that a few people have have mentioned is it feels like Liverpool have dropped up a little bit in terms of their intensity of 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 their pressing, um, and that is that is the case. I mean, the numbers do do show that as well. Um, they are. You know, making uh, almost two fewer high turnovers per, per game versus last season, um, fewer press sequences, um, and then generally speaking, making fewer defensive actions. So you know, tackles, duels, that sort of thing. Um, I know that's that can be linked to whether you've got the ball or not, but kind of generally speaking, over over the kind of course of matches, they are you know, making. I guess they're making their opponents work a little bit less um, when they've got the ball. So that could be a result of you know, of a, an aging squad, of a squad that's kind of suffering with, with a bit, with a few niggles uh, here, here and there, um, and maybe they are just getting you know slightly burned out by kind of sort of Klopp's relentless um, kind of full metal football, as he as he calls it. Yeah, but I have wondered. I like obviously Klopp's been around in the Premier League for quite a while now, and our opposition's now just learning. How to deal with the breakdown? Right, right now, Pep Guardiola has obviously been able to change the season with Arlen Harlan coming into the team, like throwing a very different look in there. And we, we, we spoke about it on Monday about how De Bruyne and such like is able to really enhance the squad there. But are we getting to a tipping point with Klopp now, where actually teams are like, you know what? If he doesn't change even slightly, mm. the, the, we, we know the playbook. We know we know what we can go into each game day and go right. This is how they're going to set up. Yeah, possibly. Although. Um... Fellow analyst writer Sam Maguire did a quite good thread on Twitter yesterday about how everyone knows that Salah's been quite isolated this season, and, and he was theorising that you know possibly Liverpool planned to 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 not have him this year to sell him this summer, 
um, bought Nunez, you know, planned to shift it quite a lot and then actually ended up keeping Salah because he, he did sign a new contract. So they're kind of having to sort of amalgamate a new uh, approach with, uh, you know, the old approach, which is which hasn't worked so far, I think it's fair to say. And I think it's interesting that when Salah came on and did score his record-breaking six-minute, 12-second hat-trick on, on Wednesday night at Rangers, he did pre- play pretty centrally um, and it immediately looked, you know, like the player we we know from the last four or five seasons. So I think Klopp's too good a manager to have just, you know, rolled out into pre-season and gone, well, it's worked for a bit. Let's just carry on, lads. Because I think football teams do constantly evolve and particularly the, the top teams. Um, I was trying to think, actually, which successful Premier League team didn't change um, for the longest time. I th- I don't know. People will have their own opinions. Obviously, Manchester United had a four-four-two early on, which they then, you know, dropped the, one of the strikers a bit deeper, and then obviously to sort of become more successful in Europe, um, Ferguson brought in players like Veron and did sort of go to a four-five-one. But I reckon it's probably Arsenal, the sort of the peak Wenger Arsenal team with Henri and Perez, that pretty much plays the same way. I think for you know three, four, five seasons, um, and it was obviously very good. Uh, some people might have heard they went unbeaten for for one of them, but um, yeah, that seems like the kind of longest un, unshakable team. Obviously, there would have been switches within games and within seasons and with different players, but I think as an overall philosophy, that feels like one of the most stable. Maybe no, not even Mourinho because that wasn't too long. Yeah. He had a couple of seasons of, of that sort of peak four three three. So yeah, I think Liverpool are in a, in a transitional period as, as we've said, but you know they're going to be well up for this game against City and. These are very much kind of state of the nation, you know. I think if people accept that the Premier League is the is the leading league in the world at the moment, then this is the sort of demonstration of, of what, uh, you know, the cutting edge, even with Liverpool struggling a little bit, you know, they still could, they'll turn up. And I think the atmosphere at uh, Anfield will will be, let's say, a little bit better than it was for the, uh, for the Brighton game or some of the other home games this season. And I think there's another reason for Liverpool to get excited about this game, especially if our supercomputer is to be believed, because for the first time I can remember now, Duncan obviously Mm. has a very close relationship. We actually have a dead heat here, both Liverpool and City, both being given a 35.9% chance of winning this game. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Um, You know, I I gave the supercomputer a couple of hits to see if it was hedging its bets. I don't know if machines understand that concept. Was it shorting the wind, was it? Or, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't know. Um, But yeah, I think obviously you can make a a very good argument that Liverpool historically haven't lost to Anfield for a long time. Um, Other than that weird six games in a row spell that obviously ended another massive long unbeaten run. City aren't as you said earlier, Graham, they're top of most categories, but they're not top of the league. You know, they have dropped points in, in two games this season. Um, I mean, we all know that the first goal is going to be huge because Liverpool struggled to to come back once they've done that, particularly in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think it's these games are, you know, I remember, was it 17-18 or 18-19 when City were quite way ahead of Liverpool, but Liverpool smashed them in the league, obviously not about the Champions League as well. So these games don't always go to form. And, you know, older listeners might remember, you know, in the 80s when Liverpool were dominant, Manchester United had quite a good record against them. And vice versa, Liverpool had quite a good record against United when they were dominant in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. So, yeah, I, in conclusion, I respect the findings of the supercomputer. 
Yeah, I think it's, there's no doubt in my mind. This, this, there's almost something going to be interesting about this Liverpool team this season. They're going to be that. I'm not going to call them the wounded animal, but I'm going to call them a wounded animal. Like they've got the option here in games to. They're kind of out. The, the, the Klopp's even said they're out of the title race now. So really, it's all about securing top four. So obviously, they're going to be winning games such like. But games like this City one, City. I'm not saying for a second they're going to come in undercooking this, but there will be like it's a potential game where Liverpool put up a four-one win. And everyone's going to be turning around next weekend and going on Monday when we're doing the show, we're going to be talking about oh, City are now in like not crisis, but this was a real blow to them. And the same could happen to Arsenal down the line as well. Obviously, it was a close one between Arsenal and Liverpool the other day. That's the sort of game Liverpool could pick up a victory in and everyone going, well, actually, they're going to cause problems for everybody else in that, in that title race at the top. I think whenever you can you can field a front four of, of Nunez, Jota, Salah and, and Diaz, obviously now Diaz is, is, is injured, but you know that's loaded in terms of attacking firepower and ability to, to create chances out of nothing um, and to win you games, even if you're not necessarily playing playing that well. So yeah, I think for anyone to suggest that Liverpool are, are suddenly not going to be a threat in this game, but also kind of go, going forwards, I think would be, yeah, would, would be a... a, well- a Thing to say. The one player you didn't mention there, Ollie, was uh, was Firmino, who's who's only Constant, one goal yeah. behind Haaland for for October. Haaland's on six, uh, Firmino's on five. So he, he without his goals this season, I think Liverpool would be a lot worse off. And he has he has been really really good for them in in finishing at least. His finish away at Arsenal uh, last week was was an excellent. I think it was Liverpool's only shot on target of the whole second half, but it was a it was a good one. Um, yeah, and like you say, Jota came on and. You know, got a hat trick of assists for for Salah as well at Rangers. So, I mean, it, we were here last week, weren't we? Sort of saying, <laughs> don't think you can read beating Rangers too much into into that. But I think it was a more upbeat performance in the away game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a it's one of those days, isn't it? You got the got the Classico and um, and Liverpool City sadly going on concurrently at some points. But uh, yeah, big day. Big day, indeed. Right, let's just have a listen to Pep Guardiola as he talks through some of the injury problems that he's got with his City side at the moment. Yeah, I thought about that, yeah, right. Uh, but uh, uh, many players didn't start today because they were really, really exhausted and tired and fatigued and some niggles. And, uh, and of course, I didn't want... Erling didn't feel really good after the game against Southampton. Uh um, Phil have also some disturbing problems. Bernardo was so tired yesterday, told us. So that's why the play, the, the players, they feel they feel better. They feel better after the rest on Wednesday night, but uh, disturbing problems for Phil. Don't know what those are. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and Erling the robot apparently gets tired. So you know, it's it's all. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that City team comes out this weekend. Obviously, a little bit of a break for some of those key players will be key coming into this game. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to be switched on. Let's just have a quick look at the rest of the Premier League action this weekend uh, and just draw out anything else that we want to from these predictions. Once again, Supercomputer going for a Leicester win. I'm not backing that. I think Palace at least are going to nick a draw in that one at the moment. Um, just, I, I just feel that, that it's the, the pathway we're on with Leicester and we're going to get to this point where... Uh, Brenner out and all these various uh, score, scoreboard messages that fans of the Fox has been trying to put through. Yeah, it might be just a bit more drawn out than they might have hoped for. I mean, the thing I pointed out in the in the predictions piece was 
you know, this is sort of Eze against uh, James Madison in kind of players that you kind of hope might make the World Cup squad, but but probably won't. But yeah, I think this has got potential to be a very um, end-to-end game. I think Palace uh, have looked, you know, really good. Obviously, they've had this famously hard start, but but one against Leeds last week. Leicester, I still think Leicester are much better than than the results show. And I think obviously the, the win against Forest was good. Then they kind of blew a lead at, at Bournemouth, who no one understands how Bournemouth are doing what they're doing, but, but they are. Um, so yeah, I'm quite looking forward to this game. I think it'll be be quite open. Um, if you're a fan of defending corners, probably look away, but uh, I think, uh, yeah, it should be good. There's plenty of other plenty of other good games as well to look out for. Arsenal, obviously, an old world 1970s trip that will get everybody excited as they head up to Ellen Road for that one. A recent form against uh, Leeds has been pretty impressive, especially at Ellen Road for the Gunners. So, uh, 40, just below 50% there for the Gunners to emerge victorious in that one. I don't think that's unfair. Wolves, though, obviously, big week for them. Um, uh, Julian Lopetegui not deciding that he wants to make Molyneux his new home to go to. Rumours today that a familiar friend is coming back in uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, which is would be quite the comeback, um, dare I say, uh, equivalent to what Watford would be able to do at certain times with their management style. Um, but uh, yeah, big favourites, obviously, against uh, a wall, uh, sorry, against the Nottingham Forest side at the moment that yeah, it, it, it's it's looking fairly bleak for them, even if Steve Cooper gets handed a nice long extension to his contract. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that Ruben... Is Ruben Neves injured? I think he, he is. and Because um, obviously he's pretty good at shooting from long range and Forrest have already let in 10 goals from, from outside the box this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it sounds a bit harsh, but whoever loses that one, you kind of feel might be, might be doomed. I know it's only October, but it does feel like this is a, a really big six-pointer. Um, I think Wolves famously obviously have scored three goals, but I think they're going to get, you know, maybe boosted by the uh, the rumours that Nuno could be back, um, that they might click back into gear for this one. And just one more game I want to pull up on this one, quite uh, a good one for obviously Tottenham versus Everton this weekend. Uh, Antonio Conte is a manager in the Premier League, um, has seen his side keep six clean sheets against Everton, only one manager in the league has managed more against a single opponent when managing a side. Any guesses who that might be? Uh, well, it's not a guess because I know this stuff, but it's Roberto <laughs> Mancini, uh, another Italian. Catenaccio, bringing, bringing their Catenaccio over to, to our shores where we revel in, you know, goals. That's not true. I make, I'm, I like Italian football. But, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, that's. I think, you know, Spurs fans are quite famous for sort of always thinking their team operates on the vortex of disappointment and you know unfairness but they've got an amazingly good record against Everton uh they've lost only one of their last 19 games against them you know this match Son and Son and Kane are clicking Richarlison if he plays is possibly going to be overexcited for this one um but yeah I think Spurs they're looking kind of better game by game and I think as they're still in touch with the top two and um they're the kind of the hipster outsider bet, I think, for the uh, for the title because unlike City and, and Arsenal, they do just grind out results. So if they do ever kind of click into some sort of expansive form, um, yeah, watch them go. And also, they're someone. Well, they've got players who aren't afraid to break the modern norms of football as well when it comes to uh, uh, taking shots from outside the box. But yeah, true. Someone someone asked me this um, on Twitter earlier because they. Noticed that Son had scored from 
from outside the box with both feet, not at the same time, that would be unusual and semi-impossible, um, against Leicester in that big win they had. Um, and asked how many times that happened in uh, in Premier League history. It's 14 or 15 times. But the last time before some was Kane back in 2017. So it's obviously a Tottenham uh, anti-XG thing going on. But the vast majority of them happened in the 2000s. And I thought that was quite interesting because it, you know, it does... I don't think many players would shoot with their wrong foot from distance these days because they they'll get shouted at by the coaching team. Like why that? Not only are you shooting from an unproductive place, but it's you're doing so with your weaker foot. Now, a Sun doesn't have a weaker foot, and B, you know, Spurs are often not that keen to get forward, so it makes sense for him. But but yeah, we have maybe lost lost something there, like the art of the you know, there's players like Hasselbank, Steven Gerrard, James Beattie, probably chewing gum while they did it. Uh, another another lost art of football. Um, yeah, so I think this weekend, Premier League players have a dig with your wrong foot. See what happens. I agree. Let's see some. Let's see some great efforts with both foot sailing, sailing and flying into the net. Uh, anyway, right. Enough of the, the Premier League for now. Let's head over to El Clasico, the most played fixture in. La Liga uh, and loads of data for us to get into. A really great piece went up on theanalyst.com earlier this week with a bit of a data viz look at the history of El Clasico. Um, I'm not going to dive into too many of these, but uh, a really interesting thing that throughout all this time in El Clasico, after all these games, both teams stand on 295 goals each. Um, it's just one of those unique traits that comes along every so often. And uh, at one point, obviously, Real were quite far ahead of Barca, but Barca have been pulling this back over time as well. Real have the more wins, 76 wins compared to Barcelona's 73 with 35 draws as well. Uh, both teams obviously off to flying starts this season in La Liga as well. Like uh, I think Real, it's the first time in years they've won this many games this deep into the start of the season. It might be like the early 90s or something like that. It's jumping out of my head from research I did earlier, and I don't want to look at my other screen to actually see what it actually is. Um, but I seem to remember it's something. it is a very historic run that Real are on here. Barcelona, obviously, problems galore, and the roll of the dice may or may not have come off. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see on that front. Certainly, might not have come off financially for them, at least initially. But in La Liga, they are very much competitive in this. Robert Lewandowski in outstanding form as well for this side. So, yeah, I mean, where do we want to... What, what do we want to look at first in Real and Barcelona's game here? I think maybe at, at Barcelona, it's just so strange how you can have a, a team, you know, obviously doing so well in in the league, Um in terms of the points on the board and the and the results, but then, you know, the manager himself coming out and and, and saying how unhappy he is with the their European performances. Um, maybe that shows that the fact that they've played significantly harder teams in in Europe. I think they've had a very easy run to the start of the season, um, playing a lot of the the, the, the bottom bottom five teams, um, which probably has inflated both their xG for and and against, and probably goes. Some way to suggest why they've only let in that that singular goal, um, but the, the sort of uh, the disparity between you know their their league form and their form in in, in Europe um, is is quite is quite stark. Uh, but probably a uh, slight slight sort of um, indictment on the state of, of Spanish um, sort of domestic football presently versus uh, versus Europe. Um, I think as as one of our colleagues, Robbie. Dana's pointed out on, on the site um, ahead of this game. Um, I think the, the fact that Barca are still relying on 
sort of an aging PK and, and, and Bus- Busquets uh, duo axis in the middle of the, the team is, you know, those those two have been you know, world class over the years, but I think now we're really starting to to show their age, particularly in an ever kind of ever growing physical modern game. Um, and you know, I think Barcelona have really lost the they they felt the loss of uh, Jules Kounde, who they got in from from Sevilla um, over the summer, who's you know far more dynamic and a far better ball carrier now out of defence and stepping in. Um, I think Barcelona like to keep their kind of two wide players nice and high and wide, which kind of creates space in the, the middle for their tenth half to kind of bring the ball forwards. And um, yeah, I think I think Kunde is, is is fantastic at that. Uh, I think he's going to be fit and back for Clasico. I think they're going to kind of run the risk and roll the dice, and hopefully he can he can go. Um, but yeah, that, that lack of mobility um, from the kind of PK and uh, and Busquets uh, pairing is yeah is. I guess worrying and probably not where Xavi really wants his his kind of full first choice side to be, to be honest. Yeah, they've kind of um you know, they're kind of relying on the age old football thing of having a keeper in great form and a and a big lad up front who can knock in goals. So Lewandowski's obviously settled into the team really well, he's scoring goals in both league and champions league, and then Sestegan's got a goals preventive rate of only four goals in, in the Liga. Um, you know, Barcelona have let him one goal in the league this season and that was Isaac's goal uh, before he left Sociedad for Newcastle. So, essentially no one in the Liga this season still there has scored against uh, Barcelona in the league. So, that's not really sustainable. I think the defending that they've done in the in the Champions League is probably closer to their standard maybe, but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Um but yeah, this is a huge test. Obviously, they had a great win at, at Real last season, but I can't I can't see that happening again. I mean, I think, as you say, Oli, Real have had a much harder start based on opposition position. Um, and yeah, I think their their confidence will be high. And I think they're the favourites, definitely. Yeah, and that's something that uh, it's not the supercomputer, but it is the supercomputer's Spanish cousin, uh, which I Hell believe supercomputer. Is- I believe it's actually El Supercomputadora, uh, if we're going to be correct on this one. Uh, that's mm. apologies to any Spaniards listening or watching there for that pronunciation. Probably semi-close. But yeah, he's actually making Real Madrid the play, but it's 41.9% Real expected to win this one. Uh, Barcelona and the draw are actually very close, just either side of the nine, uh, 29%. Uh, Barcelona, 29.7% chance of a win, draw 284 So... Very much backing the host to come out on top in this one. Very much hoping they'll they'll pull this one through. And yeah, I, I think it's it's a statement game. We've got one here in England. Like it really is for both these sides. Real will be very keen to put Barcelona in the corner and go. No, we're going to run away with it this year. We're going to we're going to we want to be the big side and, and really have control of this. Well, it's Let's it's kind home. of a bit of a throwback season, isn't it? With with Real and Barcelona five points clear of everyone else. I mean, that was kind of how we remember it in the, in the, I don't want to say good old days, the uh, decade ago in the sort of peak Messi and Ronaldo era. But, you know, obviously it's changed recently, but you look at teams like Sevilla and Atletico that have done well recently, they're, they're both having terrible seasons. Um, and it's reversed in England. We've had a, a few years of, of Liverpool and City being the top two by miles. You know, they finished, you know, nearly 20 points ahead of everyone last season. But now this season, Liverpool struggling and we've got new contenders, you know, Spurs, Arsenal, um, Chelsea maybe under Potter who are in, in good form and improving. So, um, yeah, it's funny how it's turned around. But I think, yeah, Real Madrid 
should win that game, just as City should win the Premier League this season. There you go. Bold predictions. We're only at the 14th October and already the bold ones are coming out on that front. Uh, right then, I think we'll wrap it up there for today. I don't think there's much more to dive into. I'm off depressingly to Milton Keynes on Saturday to go see uh, MK Don's Plymouth. Uh, I think mainly we're all expecting uh, a Plymouth victory in this one, but also to see if there's going to be more Plymouth fans in the ground than Milton Keynes Don fans at the moment because the Dons are on a horrendous run of form at the moment up there and Plymouth are flying high, um, dare I say it. Good well, let's just hope they, they open up the other tier to Plymouth fans, which they didn't do for the playoff semi-final against Wickham. Um, didn't work out for them, but, you know, take choices. So, <laughs> uh, Who have Wickham got this weekend? Just quickly. It's the points per game Super Classico against Peterborough United, who were the team most upset with Wickham getting into the playoffs in 2019-20 uh, on points per game. So, uh yeah, there'll be 3.00 points up for grabs, and let's hope uh, we can get them. Indeed. Uh, Arsenal this weekend, Ollie, expecting just more points against Leeds, are we? You have to do so, yeah. And I think, it, I mean, if, if, if Arsenal win, obviously they they go, they win, they go to nine wins from 10 games. And uh, yeah, the last four teams to win nine out of their first 10 have all won the, the title. So what are we saying there? Are we saying that if Arsenal beat Leeds, then they're going to win Premier League? Maybe. That works. That works. <laughs> <laughs> Reading this weekend, meanwhile, host uh, West Brom Jalbin. Obviously, uh, Steve Bruce been sacked as West Brom manager, much to the disdain of Andy Carroll, who was saying, oh, it was a guaranteed three points has potentially gone out the window for us now. So quite punchy from the uh, player who ended up playing for West Brom at the end of last season to make a comment like that. And obviously with Carroll's contract out at Reading again in the middle of January, could be on the move back up there again. So uh, let's see how that one... It's the most out. productive temp worker in Britain. I like <laughs> it. Just, you know, fills in. It's good. Isn't that the Chancellor of the Exchequer? No, we won't go into that. Anyway, right. Loads of uh, loads <laughs> of content for you guys to get involved with on theanalyst.com as we've been rolling through today. Uh, great piece from Robbie Dunn here, one of our new writers on The Analyst, uh, Two Sides of Barcelona, um, really explaining, as Ollie went into, about the, the challenges they've got. There is also a great look through from Tom Hancock about who's in better shape right now. Really worth diving into this one, not just for the subheadings of the uh, words on the screen. And, of course, there is as well the viz, which we everybody loves. You've seen some of the data in here so far. And you've seen some of the animations. Plenty more for you to dive into there as well. As, of course, your stats hub, pretty much all the top European leagues now in it and some other less top European leagues as well available for you to dive through, be interactive with and have a look around at. Right then, that wraps us up for this day to day today. Thank you very much for watching on YouTube, Twitch and our Twitter channel, of course. And for all of you listening on podcasts, our great band of followers on there, we really do appreciate as well. Make sure you do rate, review and subscribe to the show as well if you haven't already. Give us those five-star reviews. Leave us some nice comments. Text us. Sorry, I meant to say Duncan was described last week as having wit as dry as the sands of Texas. Well, yeah, there we go. (laughs) He certainly is one of our stars. Anyway, on behalf of Duncan and Ollie and myself, thanks very much, Junior. We'll be back Monday when we'll look back over this momentous weekend of action. But until then, take care of yourself and goodbye.